about a month and a half ago in a galaxy. Well, here. The Lucky 10,000 discussed The Phantom Menace and promised two more episodes dedicated to the other prequels before The Force Awakens premieres. Then we realized that meant wasting a ton of time discussing something everyone already knows. They suck. So we've pared it down to a one-episode discussion of both. And a quiz. And probably a lot of random asides. And crass jokes. Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the Lucky 10,000. With your hosts, Evan. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa. Not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it. Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey guys. Hey everybody. This is Evan. And I'm Carissa. And we are the Lucky 10,000, the podcast that gets you luckier than the old people I saw in the Elders React video that had never seen the prequels. Oh, oh. Yeah. They live in rarefied air. Yes, they do. Yeah. And before we get started, we just want to thank, as always, the uh, networks that have us on, including Musings of a Geek and Tangent Found podcast. Also, give us a listen on the Bearded Pods Network. Also, the other podcasts on that network, obviously, the Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast and Teddy and the Bassman. And just, I've been asking on all the podcasts that I'm on, a favor of you, the listener, in order to support the Bearded Pods Network, obviously, and the other networks as well. The other networks have a bunch of great shows on them, so pick at least one show from each network and listen to them. If you love podcasts, that should be easy to do, and there's a lot of great people to support. Heck yeah. And that's what it's all about. Uh, obviously, a month or two ago, we covered our feelings on episode one, The Phantom Menace, yeah. and are here to get in the deadline before The Force Awakens, which I've already seen some very positive things about by people who've seen the premiere, by the way, online. Not that I read any reviews per se, but a lot of people really excited and saying it's just as good as we want it to be. Hooray! Let's go to something that wasn't as good as anyone expected or hoped for or wanted it to be. And we're going to condense this one. We're going to be talking about Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And at the end of the episode, we're doing a quiz. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, I am a huge Star Wars fan. Always have been. I am not expecting to do fantastically on this quiz. Okay, I will tell you, as just the preface to it, I went to the Geeks Who Drink Star Wars Let the Wookie Win pub quiz that was a national quiz that they did last Saturday. Okay. Our team, which was two people, scored 22nd out of about 50 teams. And we were wow. only like between 9 and 12 points off the leader, which is not bad. No. I mean, I imagine one of team. the reasons that you kind of were in the midfield is that you also have to be the first person to buzz in or whatever. No, no. It's a pub quiz. So you get... Oh, the pub quizzes. Right, right, you right, right, right. Around right. And you write them all down and you turn them all in. So your right. speed is irrelevant. It's just, do you right. know the answer? And we did okay for having two people instead of six on a team. Right. And it was fun. That wish was all that really mattered. So I took some of the questions that they used. I altered some of the questions that they used. A couple of the questions they used were bullshit. And so I, like, <laughs> changed them to make better questions. Oh, the nerd rage. Oh, yeah. It was bad. Anyway, and then I made this much easier quiz. If I didn't know it, like, if I didn't just know it, I didn't right. add it as a question. There are a couple that you, you very well may not get. As is fair with any quiz. Yeah. But for the most part... They're they're not gimmies, though I do have some gimmies, but they aren't 
designed to make you feel like you don't know shit about the Star Wars universe. Okay. It's well, all from the, the movies. Like, it's not I do know Star universe. Wars pretty well, but it's honestly been a while since I've I've seen the films and I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yep. But before we get to that, we do kind of have to discuss the remaining prequels. And okay. in order to sort of prepare for that, uh, I did finally watch the Phantom Edit which has been recommended to me so many times by so many people. And recently, also kind of in preparation for The Force Awakens. But I have seen the prequels a ton. I've seen the original trilogy a ton. So I was like, I don't need to be reminded of the plot. Right. But, you know, just for the fuck of it, I wanted to see how well they combined all three movies into the YouTube fandom edit, which I'd never sat down to watch before. I can say I still don't think it stands alone well as a solid one film, just because the plot, because they cut out all the chuffa and the bullshit. Yep. is still kind of disjointed. And there's just some things in those movies that are essential for the overall plot that you can't not include that are still very bad. Yeah. But I thought they did a good job of condensing the things you needed to know and putting the highlights of all three movies because they're not all bad. We discussed that about the Phantom Menace and it's going to continue with Attack of the Clones and and Revenge of the Sith. But the one thing I came away from more than anything is just my gratitude to J.J. Abrams for being so practical. Oh, because when you've got that much CG in your movie, it is not going to age well. And oh, my God, they don't. Yeah. That's true. Every fucking scene, they look like they're standing in front of a poster. That's because they are. <laughs> yeah. They're supposed to be like absorbed in this world and you're just like, uh And, you know, there's still some some dramatic moments, but we'll, we'll get into that as we get into it. But that just bodes well for the fact that J.J. Abrams was so intent on shooting on film and using practical sets. So thank God for you, J.J. Abrams, because <laughs> oof. But speaking of oof, let's go ahead and get started. Attack of the Clones. First off, I want to ask you, as many people have said over the years, because I remember the Fuhrer when Attack of the Clones first came out. We all went to the movie theater to watch the movie that we didn't give a shit about to see the trailer for Attack of the Clones. Yes. And the prevailing opinion, even amongst those of us who were prequel supporters at the time, was it looks better. Yeah, I mean, there was no Jake Lloyd, which was a big plus. It, that is a big plus. There was far less Jar Jar Binks, which is a plus. Yeah. But does that make it better than The Phantom Menace? Uh... Simply because two of the worst things about The Phantom Menace are now taken out, does that still make it better? Uh, I don't it know. It, it made it better to anticipate. Yeah, very true. Because you know that two of the things that were terrible were either not present at all or significantly less in, like, yeah, in like the movie. Far significantly. Like This is the one instance where you know George Lucas was listening to the fans because I get the impression Jar Jar Binks was supposed to be in both of those movies way more than he was. And in each successive movie, he's in there less and less. I, uh, uh, I was just talking about this the other day. We've had Star Wars on the brain for the past week, what with The Force Awakens As coming out has. and the pub quiz on Saturday. We watched the full original trilogy this past weekend. Mm -hmm. So it had it on the brain a little bit. And I actually, in terms of rewatchability, I've rewatched The Phantom Menace on purpose. Yes. Just because I kind of felt like watching it, which I can well, say has never occurred for the other two prequels. Well, and here's the thing, too, I think about the other two prequels is one of the things that of all the bullshit we've said about The Phantom Menace. I think aesthetically, it to me is closer to the original trilogy than the other two prequels. 
especially because of all the time they spend on Tatooine and all the things that you're kind of like, yeah, that feels like Star Wars. That that feels to me like this is just an extension of the original movies. Even though there's plenty of things in The Phantom Menace that don't, there's still other things where you're just like, yeah, some of this. And they did have a lot more practical sets in Phantom Menace, I think, than they did in the other two. I think you're right. And it just felt a little bit more like a Star Wars movie. I think Attack of the Clones was really, especially since they spend all that time on fucking Coruscant, that that felt more removed from the Star Wars universe in a I way. I agree. The story was much more, I don't want to say centrally located because that's not true, but I don't know, strangely it centered was. around characters meant to drive a plot that was slightly disconnected from those characters. It was just disjointed. Yeah. It felt weird. It was, I don't know, it wasn't great. It wasn't a very enjoyable or watchable movie to me. Neither of the, neither two or three were particularly enjoyable or watchable to me. Right. I guess I should say rewatchable. Right. I, at the time, enjoyed them just fine. And there are still, like, you know, so many things that I look back on. As I was watching the Phantom edit, I'm reminded by, again, Ewan McGregor just becomes more and more Alec Guinness oh, with he... each movie. And there's the one scene in Attack of the Clones where they get to the bottom of the city with the flying cars. And Anakin has lost his lightsaber and Obi-Wan's handing it back to him. And he goes, this weapon is your life. And I remember being in the theater and going, whoa. Yeah. He just morphed into Alec Guinness. He was he truly did an outstanding performance. He really did. And I absolutely hate to take anything away from that because individually his performance is top two of the whole trilogy. Absolutely. And you know, it's like and he's not playing Ewan McGregor. He's not just he's not just basing it on his charm and charisma, which right. he has in fucking spades. He is playing a different person than him. And he's basing it on Alec Guinness, but he's putting his own spin on it. You can see sort of the 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 evolution of him, although they never really did the hothead Obi-Wan in Phantom Menace, which they should have, because that's what we kind of wanted to see, because at one point Obi-Wan is basically tells Yoda in spirit form that, you know, he was a hothead, too, when he was younger. He's really not. Well, I mean, in comparison, <laughs> he absolutely was. But you see him mature through the course of those movies. Yes. He has an arc. Yes. And he's really the only one that has a believable, a believable right. arc. And something we also didn't talk about enough about Phantom Menace that's positive, I think, is Ian McDermott, who, through all three movies, somehow Genius. miraculously manages to be above pretty it. fucking brilliant. He's above it. He is the top <sighs> performer in all of those movies. Yeah. He's absolutely genius, and there's nothing that could take that away, I think. No right. amount of George Lucasing can remove right. his sheer power as an actor in that role. It was brilliant. And I think that comes probably more than anything else just with experience. I think yeah, absolutely. see the older actors who just sort of ease into their roles and just do it, as opposed to the younger actors who just try to emote the shit out of everything. And that was the other thing, too, is this was the first movie with Hayden Christensen, where we were all kind of like, oh, thank God, Jake Lloyd's out of the picture. He looks good. We, a group of friends and I, went to see Life as a House, which is a movie he was in before Attack yes. of the Clones came Hayden out. Hayden Christensen and is he's a good... pretty fucking good in that he movie. He's a good actor. I absolutely want to say that up front. Hayden Christensen, as an actor, quite good. Like, he's still young, so there's no telling whether or not he's going to be sure. great or amazing or brilliant when he's older. But especially when he was cast as Anakin, he was a good young actor. Yeah. Nothing against him outside these movies. 
Right. And that's the problem. The Phantom Menace almost killed Jake Lloyd, like literally almost killed him. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so sorry for that kid and the man he has grown into. But you get to Hayden Christensen where this guy, like he's he looks good. Like I said, he was good in life as a house. So you think this is it. This is the thing that's saving it. And then you start to hear all the rumblings about. I remember hearing and this is such a sad like thing for any Star Wars fan or any movie fan in general to say, oh, the last 45 minutes are amazing. <laughs> I heard that a lot. I heard people say, I heard the last 45 minutes are nuts and amazing. And you're like, great. It's like a two and a half hour movie, yeah. right? <laughs> what about the first two thirds of the film? How, how was that? Yeah. I think my opinion is in a lot of ways, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones are pretty equal. I don't think one is ridiculously better or worse than the other. I think people were just relieved that Jar Jar Binks and Jake Lloyd weren't a presence in Attack of the Clones. So they ignored a lot of what makes that movie in some ways weaker than The Phantom Menace. Although the plot, thank God they got away from all the Senate bullshit and the, you know, at least the cowardly Asian aliens weren't in it as much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, casual racism. What would we do without you? Oh, it's great, isn't it? And, you know, there were interesting environments. I mean, George Lucas can do that. He can create interesting environments. Yes, leave him in the editing room. Get him away from the actors. He can put an action sequence together. You know, there's fun stuff in that movie. And you really got the sense that that's what they were going for that didn't seem to work in The Phantom Menace as much because they didn't really try to have much banter. There was a little, but it seemed kind of forced. I don't think Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor had that much chemistry, to be totally honest. I think that they were fine. They were fine. They just, you should want more than fine. You know, so you got the Anakin Obi one relationship and attack of the clones and they tried to make that much more luke han with a lot of the the banter back and forth and the you know quippy one-liners and it just again seemed really forced there was very little substance very little and also as i'm watching the phantom edit the thing that i was reminded the most of is that you know i'm co-writer on a web series and our head writer and I have had a lot of conversations about this because we're kind of cutting our teeth in this whole thing. And I'm not saying I'm an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I wrote a draft of a script for our second season that I sent back to her and she sent it back to me and said, you got way too much dialogue here. Show, don't tell. You can do that in film. Yes. You, you don't need to say everything. And George Lucas apparently missed that day in class. Oh, totally. And that's actually the show, don't tell thing is actually something that I look for a lot now in yeah. movies and television. Because if you're telling me something, it means that you want me to believe it, but don't want to take the time to prove it. Right. So you're giving me all these informed attributes that you cannot back up. And right. I'm just supposed to believe you. I'm sorry. I'm, I am smarter than that. Right. Like, I need to see the character doing the thing to believe the character is that character. Right. There's a moment in Attack of the Clones that I never thought about before that really stood out to me as I was watching the Phantom Edit where uh, Anakin and Padme are getting ready to go off to Naboo and uh, Obi-Wan is talking to eye patch guy and he says i hope anakin doesn't do anything foolish and the guy turns to him and goes i wouldn't worry about him i'm more worried about her i'm like why why what makes you think out of everything we know about padme up until this point she sacrifices her personal interests she is very smart she doesn't take unnecessary risks 
but we'll take the risks that she deems are necessary. You you have not earned that line. No, she certainly hasn't. <laughs> that, that never stuck out to me before. But as I was watching it, I was like, why did you say that to him? She's never given anybody any indication. In fact, she spent all of this movie up to this point telling Anakin to leave her alone. <laughs> Maybe it was movie Bob. I hope I'm not misattributing this. Who made the very good point. And I, I watched very closely after I heard this from him, and he was very correct that Hayden Christensen's dialogue is abysmal. Oh, it's it's the worst. And its delivery is nearly as abysmal most of the time. Yes. But when he's much like Keanu Reeves, when he's <laughs> not talking, his acting is as you would have expected from him going into it. It's right. good. It's solid. His nonverbal acting is on point. And that says way more about how terrible a director George Lucas is. Well, absolutely. But than I, almost mm. anything else, because you can watch him do stuff like one of the points that the critic made was when Padme tells him that she's pregnant. That scene is written horribly, like yeah, oh, almost yeah. every scene between the two of them written horribly. Ugh. But his physical, nonverbal, nonspoken reaction to that scene is perfect. And I don't I mean actually, like it's pretty good. It's perfect. It is exactly I, I, what he would have done as a real person. It's amazing. I got to disagree with you there. And I just and they had some of his best moments in those two movies in that Phantom Edit last night. And I remember like not hating his nonverbal moments, but there's a feeling to me when I watch those movies in his performance of restraint that I think is being forced on him. Because Lucas is like, oh, I'm not the Jedi. They can't, like, feel emotions and stuff. So you shouldn't, like, do that. And there are moments when I feel like he's he's stuck between a rock and a hard place, for one thing. Both like, as I don't think anybody could have come out on top in that scenario. But he has some, some decent moments of the nonverbal stuff. I do like it when he's watching his mother die. He can project intensity and anger very well. Mm -hmm. But that still never translated to me to a fully formed person. It Ooh. seemed like he was really trying to broadcast this emotion and being told by someone, don't. No, I, to I totally see what you're getting at. But if you watch several of the scenes where he is terrible... <laughs> Yeah. And you like if you take the time and like edit out any words that are ever spoken in that scene and just watch the physical stuff, no words are ever spoken. Right. It actually makes a significant difference. And it is completely overshadowed for the most part while you're watching it by the fact that he talks ever. Right. And that it does absolutely diminish almost completely the stuff that he did as an actor that had nothing to do with the dialogue that had nothing to do with delivery it was all about the emoting on sure no I, I totally get what you're saying i just don't know that i would rate it nearly as highly as you do well <laughs> even the nonverbal stuff which i do every scene not every scene but yeah. that one in particular was pointed out and as i watched it i had to agree with him like he was absolutely correct about that there every scene things. isn't that great but that one definitely was but so like Going over these movies like, chronologically, we go back to finish up with Attack of the Clones, really. I remember, Mike, I have a soft spot for Attack of the Clones in my heart simply because I saw that movie in New York in like a 2,000-person theater. Yeah. And we had a ball. I mean, you would have thought it was the best movie ever based right. on that audience's reaction. It was amazing to have that experience. And I have someone I was a friend with at the time to thank for that. But it doesn't make it a good movie. And right. I remember coming out of the theater and turning to someone and going, my biggest, even, even at the time when I accepted all the prequels, I remember turning to them and saying, you know, 
if they could have just done all the Obi-Wan stuff and then just cut back to the letter crawl and gone, well, protecting Padme, and again, yeah. Padme fall in love, yeah. and then cut back to Obi-Wan, it would have been a pretty good movie. Yeah. But I still don't think that's even true, because there's so many little things. George Lucas is the king of little things that ruin everything else. Yes, you're absolutely right. Because every time that movie starts to develop some sort of flow, it gets completely disrupted by something that, you know, details, schmeetails, there are things that you can forgive, but in the middle of a giant arena battle that you should be splooging yourself over because you've never seen the Jedi at their peak. Yeah. Uh, C-3PO says, what a drag. And then you just go, yep. why? Yep. Why did you do that? Excuse me. This is such a drag. Got to get the line right because it's like it's like misquoting Shakespeare. Of, of course it is. And there are the environments that, you know, the conveyor belt scene could have been pretty fucking awesome if there was a conveyor belt or a scene there. <laughs> Yeah, you're not wrong. Because there's a lot of stuff, too, that, like, action, like, I think George Lucas can direct action sequences. What he doesn't understand is, at least anymore, is that the action sequences should be connected to what's going on instead of just, you know, they haven't fought anything for about 20 minutes. Let's have them fight something. Yeah, I think that part of that is because his action scenes are taken care of by Nick Gillard, who is brilliant at yeah. fight choreography, and oh, sure. he doesn't have to make anybody say anything, usually. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's de there's always good action in the Star Wars movies. Always. That George point. Lucas has almost nothing to do with. Right. And the conveyor belt sequence seemed to be like his stamp almost, where he's just like, you know, this isn't as much about fight choreography. He's not fighting anyone other than these robot things. But... You know, there are those great scenes when you see C-3PO, even though his presence still makes no sense. You know, I remember watching the Phantom Edit and going, okay, so they go to Tatooine. Anakin finds out from his his mother's husband, I guess, that she's been kidnapped by the Sand People. And first off, the man doesn't look for her because he's trying to heal. Uh, he has two young, strong-backed people there with him. Yeah. He could, he's, he can still wheel around the house and fucking eat and speak in platitudes. Why can't he fucking get a land speeder yeah, and go speeder look and go. for yeah. his wife? Right. Get a land speeder and some laser guns and go look for his wife. But then C-3PO is there and he remembers Anakin and we all go, oh, there's C-3PO for no reason. And then the next thing we see is they're going to rescue Obi-Wan with C-3PO in the ship for no reason. Yep. Why not just leave him on Tatooine? Anakin didn't even seem to give a shit about C-3PO. Nope, because why the fuck would you? Why? <laughs> yeah, I made you. Great. You were there to help my mom, even though you are not a kind of droid that would offer her any assistance in her life whatsoever. Great. Yeah. Would you help us in battle? No. <laughs> they're going off on a dangerous mission, and they're like, oh, let's take this handicap with us. Right. It just... There are just so many plot threads and lines that don't make any sense. Now, the Obi-Wan stuff that's in it, his fight with Jango Fett, fucking awesome. The space battles with Jango Fett and the sonic charges that split the asteroids in two, I loved it. Mm -hmm. Some of the arena stuff was fun, but then you can't, you can't ever get completely invested because it is obvious that they are not there. Yep. And then the only thing you get with the whole Jedi battle is, oh my god, we get to see a bunch of Jedi standing in a room waving <laughs> things around it was like watching all the neighborhood kids in your neighborhood with broomsticks playing jedi for the first time because there was no weight to anything they were yep. doing yep there when their swords contacted stuff 
they're they're just waving them around, hitting air and pretending they're killing things. That's yeah. what they're doing. Yes, that is literally what those actors are doing. And that's what it looks like they're doing. And that is exactly what it looks like they're doing. And that's why, like, uh. And then you get to the big yo. You get to see Yoda fight for the first time again in New York in a two thousand person theater. We went fucking crazy, but it still just looked like a cartoon and the drama of it wasn't earned as well as it could have been no it was it was bad <laughs> it's great to see christopher lee yeah totally and he did fine he did a good job sure but what was his connection where did he come from why is he there you know, obviously he's the apprentice of the emperor and there are just so many plot threads that don't make any sense you've got one sith lord on Coruscant, who can cloud every single Jedi's mind, regardless of what planet they're on. Because you'd think once they get out of his force grasp, they'd go, oh, fuck, I'll bet Palpatine's a Sith. Look at all this bullshit he's been doing. Yeah. Like how the... There's a scene in Attack of the Clones where Obi-Wan and Anakin are so in tune with the force and the nature of the universe that they know when poisonous millipedes are in Padme's room. Yep. However, at no point in the prequel trilogy does either one of them go... Until he actually basically says it himself. Hey, I'm a, I'm a Sith Lord, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't notice. I mean, they all say that, oh, it's clouding the force. It's clouding the force. Like it's, it's a bad weather report or something. But none of them seem to have any ability to see through that, even when they're hundreds of light years away. Yeah, it's really bad. Well, I mean, the Jedi are retarded. Oh, they're the worst. As a rule. They're just stupid. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's all my bitching about Attack of the Clones. I'm sure you've got points I haven't brought up yet. No, not really. <laughs> I mean, what bad. else can you say? It, the comedy doesn't work. No. The romance. Oh, I was talking to a friend of mine because the more the closer we get to Force Awakens, the more I realize I hear from people who have never seen any Star Wars movies. And How? what I don't I don't two people in the last week, Carissa, have told me they have never seen any Star Wars movies. And they're both friends of mine. I don't know. <laughs> like, you can obviously say, yeah, it's not my thing. Fine. But how you've never seen one, I have no idea. That's if you're an weird. adult. Yes, it is. So I was trying to describe to this person the, the plot of the movies. And I said, oh, just don't waste your time with the prequels. And let me give you one example of why. <clears throat> clear my throat a little bit. I don't like sand. It's rough. It's coarse. Gets everywhere. Not like you. You're smooth. That's all you need to say. You have hurt me deeply. <laughs> I want you to know that. Why? That is that is such a shit scene. It is so bad. And it makes Hayden yeah. Christensen look so bad. Like, it offends me that Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman come off so poorly because yes. neither of them are bad actors. No, and, and this is the one thing I, terrible. I definitely want to ask you about because you very much were in Natalie Portman's corner in The Phantom Menace. Yes. She and was you great. fought against all the critics against Natalie Portman in The Phantom Menace. Yep. Do your feelings extend no. to her nope. through the next two movies? No, it's terrible. George Lucas completely ruined it. I still didn't it. hate her in either one of them. Hated her and it got it got worse every moment she was on screen. And it's not her fault, which is what offends me because she's a great actress. Right. Of her day, of her age group, she's the best there is. But in those two movies, she consistently, constantly just gets worse and worse and worse. And I can't tell if that's because George Lucas was get, like was nitpicking on her more and more right. or if she just started phoning it in because what the fuck did it matter? Yeah, that's, I think that's a problem with a lot of actors in those movies. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson's like one of the best we've got in the right material. And he just never seemed to care about what he was saying. Which is weird because he, I mean, according to him, 
this is, of course, a dream role. He's a Jedi. He gets a purple lightsaber. He's a badass motherfucker. I think that's almost part of the problem. I think every actor that got cast in this movie thought it was a dream role. And then they got to the set. And they were like, ooh, where are the robots and stuff? We don't have any. It's all going to be CGI. Oh, here's your script. Oh, a new Star Wars script. And I'm going to be in it. This is amazing. Oh, my God. I'm playing Anakin Skywalker. I'll eventually be Darth Vader. This is awesome. Okay, page one. Uh, yeah. Uh, just rough start. Rough start. Page two. Ooh. That's not a... Ooh, action sequence. Cool. Page five. Oh, God. Yeah. I have to... Oh, God. It is like your childhood hero, like, meeting Superman and then saying, hey, I'm Superman. Punch you in the face. Yeah. (laughs) I think that was a problem. I think that was a part of it. And we really didn't see the true depth of awful in those movies as far as dialogue was concerned, even excusing Jake Lloyd and Jar Jar, until we got to the romantic sections of Attack of the Clones. Yeah, they were terrible. They were terrible. And And who... uh, I think you gotta you gotta put the blame squarely on Lucas. And had Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman been older, they may have found a way to make those lines work. Because the great thing about Ian McDermott is, if you look at his dialogue on paper, it probably is very silly and stupid. But yeah. he just knew how to play it. And I just think they needed enough experience to go, I know how to play this and make it sound not nearly as terrible. And, you know, all the movies Natalie and Portman had done up to that point, you know, Hayden Christensen's still cutting his teeth, but he had some decent breaks. I'm sure they both did their fair share of theater. Yep. Do you think they'd ever seen dialogue that bad before? Uh, if they had seen it before, it was not put on film for other people to see them see it. No. So I think it was all just about the shock of being involved in something that was that bad. And I think the excitement of being in it wore off. You know, you hear people, I saw some interviews from some of the Force Awakens cast, and they all keep saying the same thing. Like, oh my God, when I walked on the set, I felt like I was in the world. I was like, oh my God, I'm in Star Wars. Yeah. And you know, people are like, oh my God, I saw the Millennium Falcon sitting right there. No one in the the prequels could say that. Right. So yeah, that's Attack of the Clones. And then we go to Revenge of the Sith, which you're just like, again, everyone says... I remember hearing Revenge... It might actually have been Attack of the Clones. It was Attack of the Clones, where a friend of mine started seeing some reviews, and he goes, dude, guess what I just heard? I heard it's the best one since Jedi. Who said that? (laughs) He said it was the best one since Empire, which is basically saying Attack of the Clones is better than Return of the Jedi, and I was like, oh, great! Who said that? How much did they get paid to say that? Oh, he said he read it in some review or something. Yeah, I know. Like, how much did they get paid to say that? That's ridiculous. But even so, Return of the Jedi is kind of widely hailed is the weakest of the original three not that it's bad but it does have but it the ewoks were sort of a precursor of the cutesy stuff that lucas would do later and it was also you know one of the biggest love or hate things in the whole original star wars trilogy well i mean they love them they changed that from being the wookies on kashyyyk to the ewoks on the force men of endor which okay they did that because they wanted to sell toys. Fine. Yes. You want to sell toys and you don't think people will buy Wookiees for whatever reason, whatever. But Or they just didn't want to spend the money on fur, so they got shorter people. That aside, on the forest moon, the Ewoks are the uh, alpha predator right. of that environment. So, yeah, they're little and they're kind of cutesy. Well, I'm not criticizing the Ewoks. What I'm saying is that most people would say Jedi is not a bad movie, but probably the weakest of the three. 
whether you agree with that or not, I'm not asking. What I'm saying is that's not high praise sure. to say that Attack of the Clones, if most people say Return of the Jedi was the weakest, is the best since Empire. Everyone regards Empire, everyone that has any common sense anyway, regards Empire as the best of the series so far. Right. But that's not high praise. And that's just people grasping at straws to just hear some news that it was a good movie. And so we were all like disappointed with Attack of the Clones, but slightly less so because we were over the crushing disappointment of the Phantom Menace and there was no Jar Jar, well, hardly any Jar Jar and no Jake Lloyd. Right. Then you get to Revenge of the Sith and the pre-buzz about Revenge of the Sith was it's the best of the prequel trilogy. And everybody got excited again. And then after the fact, you go, that's still not saying that much. No. And I think even at the time, The Shine had come off the apple for me. Like, I liked it. I enjoyed it. And I was still a defender. I was an apologist. And that's, I can't deny that. That was a fact of the matter. But it was not as enjoyable even the first time as the previous one or the one before that when I watched it in the theater. Well, the problem is it has the exact same problems that Attack of the Clones does. Too much CGI, romantic bullcrap dialogue. Again, not showing, don't telling, but tell, 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 tell. (laughs) You shouldn't have Anakin and Padme going, I'm so in love with you. Is that because I'm so in love with you? Or whatever those awful lines were. Oh, my God. It was so, oh, made me want to vomit. And it's like, shouldn't that just be implied at this point that they love each other? Like, you don't have to say it, and you certainly don't need to say it that poorly. Yeah. Also, you know, you've got the overuse of CGI. The entire, like, 30... I heard somebody make a really good point about that opening battle sequence, which takes, like, half an hour. Yeah. To get to General Grievous and does, again, get into the mode where there's a lot of, like, quote-unquote comedy with the robots slipping and falling and things like that, which just continues to take away any threat or intimidation factor they may have. R2's again there for kind of no good reason and shows that he can do way more than we ever saw in any of the original trilogy. That's the other problem is George Lucas. (laughs) George Lucas does not understand the concept of if R2 can do all these things, why didn't he do any of them in the original trilogy? Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. When we see R2 fly in Attack of the Clones, you go, that's awesome. Why has he never done that before or since? (laughs) He can fly. How many problems in the original trilogy would have been taken care of if R2 could just fly in and do something? (laughs) I remember hearing people go, oh, my God, that first shot is just one continuous shot. And I remember thinking at first, like, okay, that's cool. And then I saw somebody online go, no, it's not. And here's why. It's computer graphics. Yeah. If you had one continuous scene like that in a real movie with real practical sets, it would be amazing. But a continuous shot of ships flying through other ships while a war's going on when it's CGI. When it's all animated? If you just have, you know, the knowledge of CGI, you can do that. And that's not saying these guys didn't put work into it because the CGI looks good, especially in the space battles. It looks really fucking good. Like they deserve the credit for that. But to make one continuous action sequence with no edits, it's not nearly as impressive because you're creating it as you go. Yeah, exactly. And I do want to take a moment here since we've brought it up to say I have nothing but respect and love for the visual effects artists. Oh, absolutely. Work, not just on Star Wars, but on anything ever. And I think that they absolutely get paid commensurate with their work. And I support them entirely in their attempts to get that uh, imbalance corrected because that none of this trilogy at all would be anything worth talking about even right. without their efforts. And 
they should be applauded and praised for all of the work that they did, regardless right. of how much George Lucas fucked up the rest of it. The pro- That's the problem. Too much was asked of them. Yes. You look at a movie like Who Framed Roger Rabbit that still holds up, but it's because for the most part, the animated characters and the live action actors interacted in live action environments. In the Star Wars prequels, you have for the most part live action actors interacting solely with CGI environments, which were rendered beautifully but lifelessly, heartlessly. Oh, absolutely. Lovelessly. Lifelessly. It was just disconnected. The whole thing was disconnected. The plot was disconnected right. from the characters. The characters are disconnected from each other. The dialogue was right. disconnected from anything realistic. Yes. It was it was just a disconnected jumble of crap pieced and, also like and a, glued together by beautiful visual effects is yeah. the only thing that saved it at all. Yes. And I, I look back on, you know, the king of Star Wars criticism, Red Letter Media, when they were mentioning how, again, one of the problems that George Lucas has with writing, other than writing, is that whole thing where, you know, in A New Hope, Obi-Wan talks about what a fantastic pilot Anakin is. Right. Also that he's he was a good dude. Yeah. And they do this really weird thing of where Anakin, at the very beginning of Revenge of the Sith, for a second is going to break off from the main attack on Grievous's ship to go help a clone trooper whose ship is being torn apart. Mm-hmm. Now, A, how the fuck is he going to help him? And B, why? There's no connection with this guy. He's just one of hundreds of thousands of clones that, I'm sorry, up to this point have been shown as being completely disposable. Yes. I mean, that's why you have them. Yes. No one gives two shits about these guys. But just to show somehow that Anakin is a good dude, he's going to go, I go, 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 go help him. And he's like, no, that is the worst, most artificial way of showing that someone is a good person. And at this point, we know that Anakin's not a terrible guy yet. Yeah. You've spent three movies showing us that he was an innocent little child who just had kind of a fucked up childhood. And yeah, in the second one, he's got anger issues. But who wouldn't? And he's a teenager and whatever. Right. But that is the other thing, the other big suspension of disbelief that we're asked to accept is that Padme does fall in love with Anakin at all. I mean, yeah, because it's horribly unrealistic. It's stupid. You always got why Princess Leia and Han Solo were attracted to each Hell other. Hell yeah, you You always did. got why Leia was attracted to Han Solo, because he's slightly roguish. He's not dangerous or psychotic. <laughs> you know, you got the charm that he had and the charisma. and yeah. the, Every girl likes the bad boy at one point or the other, but he's at, he does truly have a heart of gold. You know, it was shown so beautifully. Episode four, he, you know, he takes his money and runs. That's all he was in this for was the money. And at the last second, he's like, fuck it. I made friends. I got to go help them. And then, you know, in Empire Strikes Back, they have this great banter back and forth where they're insulting each other. But, you know, it's because they really love each other. And in the prequels, it's just I killed kids. Yeah. (laughs) Then she's supposed to go, oh, that was just a blip on the radar. Yeah. It was so there just aren't enough bad adjectives. Or adjectives for bad, I suppose. Yeah. To encompass it all. It was terrible. It almost makes you wonder how George Lucas ever landed a wife in the first place. Money? Because he does not understand anything about, it doesn't seem to anyway, based on these scripts about, I don't know, love, attraction, sanity. I mean, there's just so many weird things. Yeah, it's weird. It's very weird and very disconnected. And the worst part, it's... I still harp on it to this day because there was a a scene in Revenge of the Sith that finally started me down the road of not being a prequel apologist. Okay. And it seems to almost everyone else a nothing thing to obsess about. 
you have never revealed this to me. I'm so excited. I, I think I have, actually, because it's during one of those, no, I love you more, no, you hang up scenes. Oh, God, yeah. Where Padme is on the balcony of her room, and they're mm-hmm. talking about who loves the other one more, <laughs> and she's she's brushing her hair. Yes. She has this beautiful head of curly hair. So she's sitting there with her gorgeous head of thick, curly hair with a brush. A mm-hmm. brush. Mm-hmm. And she is brushing her Oh, thick... no, you've never told me about this. But now that you bring it up, I'm like, yeah, why is she doing that? Her thick, curly hair, which you do not do. You, you don't brush thick, curly hair like that. You just don't because it won't be thick, curly hair anymore. It'll be a big ass fucking afro. And so that was just... enough to tell you that George Lucas doesn't understand anything about humanity. Yeah. And of course, Natalie Portman has this head of thick, luscious, curly hair. She knows she can't brush this hair. Right. So she's got this chunk of hair in her hand and she's just kind of touching the end of it with the brush. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. if you brush the hair, it will totally fuck everything up. But she's right. clearly supposed to be brushing her hair. So she's just holding it and touching it with the brush very lightly. But that makes that prop completely irrelevant. Right. Because she shouldn't well, be doing that at all. And she looks like she knows she shouldn't be doing that because she knows yeah. she shouldn't be doing that. But she's still doing it anyway. And it's right. just like, what the fuck is even happening right now? And you're both talking about who loves the other one more, like four-year-olds. Right. Like, oh, my God, kill me. Because I think somewhere along the line, George Lucas decided to take a chance and have people do stuff while they were talking instead of just talking. Yeah, but then he didn't give them anything good to do. Right. There's a beautiful example uh, in the movie Brazil. It's probably one of Terry Gilliam's best movies, but it's got Michael Palin in it. Mm -hmm. And we all love Michael Palin. And he's great in it. But he has a part in the movie where he plays a guy who was just the nicest, sweetest guy you'd ever think of meeting but his job for this company is to torture people. Okay. And the lead character comes into Michael Palin's office to ask him a question. And Michael Palin has just got finished torturing someone. So nice, sweet, meek Michael Palin comes around the corner with bloody gloves and blood on his smock. And since his friend, the lead in the movie, knows what he does, it's no big deal. Now, originally in the script, it called for these guys just to sit at the table and have a conversation. I can't remember whose idea it was, but I saw behind the scenes where I think it might have even been Michael Palin's. It's like, we got to do something different here because that's just stagnant. What if he had to bring his daughter to work with him and we see him just get done torturing someone and then he gets down on the floor and plays with his daughter? And that's exactly what they did. Okay. And it's beautiful because it says so much without saying anything. Yeah. And then it makes the exposition of their conversation interesting because they're not just sitting at a table. Right. He's playing with his daughter and he's explaining to his friend that he had to bring his daughter to work and it's no big deal that he just finished torturing someone. And then they have the conversation that was in the script and you're invested in it. Sure. Because you're like, that's fucked up. Oh, this is so weird. Oh, he's got a daughter. So he's a multidimensional character. He's got this evil side, but he also genuinely loves his daughter. And you can tell none of that. None of that is in any of the prequels because when people have something to say, they stand in front of each other and talk about it. And talk, yeah, exactly. So I guess, I don't know, maybe George Lucas is like, I know it'll make the scene more interesting. Natalie, brush your hair. It'll give you something to do. And at that point, she was just like, uh, yeah, fuck, fuck it, it whatever. whatever. Brush hair, sure. Have you mailed the check yet? Yeah, okay, <laughs> give me the fuck. Brush. Exactly, I don't give a shit. exactly. Now, that said, and really we could we could talk about how shitty Revenge of the Sith was forever. And at the end, he kills a bunch of children. So fucking whatever. Well, hell, in the middle of Attack of the Clones, he kills a bunch of children. Yeah, true. 
there is one part of Revenge of the Sith that elevates that is elevated above all the rest of the prequel trilogy and okay. to me most of the original trilogy. Really? It is the opera scene with Palpatine. Oh and yeah, Anakin. yeah, yeah. It is so beautiful a scene. It's good. Not just the visuals, like the visuals are fine, but right. they're they are kind of background. They're the playing with the daughter of that scene. Right. It is purely in McDermott's delivery and the nonverbal parts of Hayden Christensen's reactions. See, I just saw that scene last night. As much as I love Ian McDermott in it, you're absolutely right. He is wonderful. And again, you put his lines on paper. Sounds cheesy. Yep. He delivers it expertly. Yeah, the delivery is just, it's perfect. All I remember getting from watching Annika, uh, from watching Hayden's reaction scenes is, huh, that's all I read on his face. Well, I mean, it's it, a lot of, I'm looking at the emperor and then I'm looking down. There is, because of course, uh, Palpatine is completely manipulating Anakin into doing his Absolutely. bidding or whatever. And it's a beautifully crafted scene. And the way that Ian McDermott does it, it's very subtle and it's incredibly spider-like. It's, it's just perfect on yeah. his part. But oh, there is still the stuff that we're su- at least supposed to have already believed about Anakin. Oh, yeah. That is that Hayden Christensen is trying against all odds to actually portray. Right. And you do have to be able to put aside everything that came before <laughs> that you actually saw. Well, maybe just, that's what my problem is. I'll go back take, and watch that scene again, but yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember hating him in it. I just don't remember feeling like he was feeling much other than, who? Just start at the beginning of that scene and take what you know you are supposed to know about Anakin and insert that in instead of all the shit that George Lucas actually made him do. Sure. And watch it again. Because you're right, his reactions seem very lackluster and kind of dumb, but he is... He is trying to understand the world that he's in, and no one that he trusts makes any sense. Right. And but that's see, a really hard position to be in. Like, And I he does a the... fine job. It's not up to par with Ian McDiarmid because oh, nothing God, no. in those trilogy in that trilogy is. No, it's really not. He's pretty fantastic. But he is trying, and he actually does a decent job of holding his own as his character when he's not talking while right. Ian McDiarmid is being Palpatine at his best. Yeah, even when he is talking, he's not bad all the time. No, that's true. But George Lucas did sort of take this image of Darth Vader and turn him into a child yeah. for all three movies. Yeah. When Anakin is burning at the end, what is the only thing George Lucas can think to have him say to Obi-Wan, his former friend, mentor, father figure that has now cut off his legs and left him for dead I hate on a lava planet? I hate you. You never understood Stupid. me. <laughs> I mean, that's when you just look like, George, everything you build, George Lucas builds skyscrapers that can be felled with a wayward leaf. Yeah. Because In a all this big stuff he gets to and he constructs and then he fucking ruins it all with one little thing. Yep. All that the takes time. you completely out of it. And that's the thing about that scene that you're just referring to that, to me, is, and you're, and you're right, Ian McDermott's great in that scene. That relationship could have been spread out over three movies. That manipulation that we were told is going on in A New Hope could have been the plot of all three prequel yes, movies. Yes, and should have been. Up to Darth Vader. Yep. And even as great as Ian McDermott is in that scene, and he's never bad in the prequels. No. Like, once he becomes full-on, like, I get to be full-on evil now. Yeah. He's so overplaying it in yeah. the best possible way. It it is diminished some. It is diminished some by how I don't know Halloween costumey he gets about the whole well, thing, but not enough to actually make it bad. 
I think he becomes so fun. He becomes what George Lucas wanted Star Wars to be, a sci-fi serial from the 30s. Yeah. No one else is doing that. Even Ewan McGregor, as much as we love him in those movies, he's trying to ground the material where it's almost impossible to do that. And once Palpatine gets to be full-on evil Palpatine, he's so much fun. And you still kind of hate him. Oh, totally. You totally hate him. But I mean, I mean, even though Yoda is completely fucked in those movies, I hated seeing Palpatine win in his fight against Yoda, even though I knew he had to. But the problem is this whole prequel trilogy is created solely for one purpose. See Anakin turn to Darth Vader. Do not want. And every fucking thing that he builds, all the good stuff that he manages to build, the beautiful Empire State Building skyscraper that he that he has built in that scene that you just described gets completely demolished when the thing that we are all watching these movies for becomes a five second scene where Palpatine goes, you want to be um, you want to be Dark Lord of the Sith? Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Had that scene been done well, I could maybe justify everything else in that movie. And I still think, again, like we said, there are good things about it. I do enjoy a lot of the Obi-Wan-Anakin lightsaber duel. It goes overboard sometimes, and there is too much CGI. But the effort those guys are putting into it, and the music, and the epicness of what's happening, yep. I can watch that lightsaber duel by itself and almost justify Episode three's existence, because it's one of the only ones in the whole prequel trilogy that has true weight to it yeah now i will say out of all six star wars movies i cannot watch still luke wailing on darth vader at the end of return of the jedi without crying a little bit out of all the other star wars movies the anakin obi-wan lightsaber duel is the closest i get to that because i still know the characters enough to care to me the music is there pretty far away yeah i mean it's it's still pretty far away i've never shed a tear because of it and i have shed a tear when luke is just fucking wailing on darth vader Every time I watch it, but it's at least the impact it needs to be. Sure. And it would have had more impact, obviously, had everything else in the movie has been good enough to earn it. But at least when they finally get started, those two guys are giving it everything they fucking got. Yep. I mean, and- there is something like this is actually has occurred to me before when thinking about uh, Revenge of the Sith is that when I ran track in school, my dad used to always tell me no matter how you're doing or how you're feeling, when you get to the end, finish strong. Right. Don't even if you're winning by a mile, don't just jog across the finish line. Burst of, of speed, sprint across the end, win with everything or at least right. lose less, you know, finish strong. Right. And I think that they did that or they at least tried to do that. They did try to do that. But again, going back to the skyscraper analogy, he completely ruins it as soon as it's done. Yep. Because then Padme dies for no reason. Then you discover that she has twins. Right. She knows she's pregnant. How has no one found out that she has twins up to this point? I don't know. (laughs) You're telling me in all this advanced society. And then she dies for no reason. Which also one of the things that George Lucas is so bad about doing in the prequel trilogy is negating things about the original trilogy. Why the fuck does Leia remember anything about her mother? As she so emotionally tells us in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, um, actually Kay said that the other day uh, about the end of the trilogy and the birth of the twins. He was like, turning Leia into a goddamn liar. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't George Lucas at one point in one of the several rapings of the original trilogy actually insert sort of a thought bubble of Amidala dying when Leia was saying that? Uh, No, I actually just, sadly, the versions that I watched of the original trilogy were the new remastered ones. Okay, so that's not in there. But it's not in there. 
Oh, good. Thank a. Thank God. And B. I could have sworn he did that at one point. And yeah, maybe I took thought it out. so too, I could but wrong. I don't remember. I don't care how close with the force you are. You haven't even been able to open your eyes yet. How yeah. the fuck do you know who your mother was or what she looked like? And she didn't look sad. She looked dead. Yeah, because <laughs> that was what Leia said. She seemed somehow sad. Like, well, because she was dead. Yeah. And she still has the pregnancy bump when she's being taken away on the funeral. Well, that doesn't, like, it's not like a balloon. It doesn't automatically go away, <laughs> no, but it deflates a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> You've lost a lot of the mass that was in there. Yes, I don't that's know. true. Yeah, it's uh, terrible. And then we get to the big thing where, like, you finally get to see the creation of Darth Vader. The positives there, we get to see inside the mask, which I thought was pretty fucking badass. That is, That was cool. You get to see what he sees. There's that creepy moment when the Emperor finds him on the side of the of the mountain, burned and dying, and he puts his hand to his forehead. He just very gently touches his forehead, like an expression of love that is just sort of really cool and creepy. Yeah. But then you get to the point where, in what George Lucas has admitted, was a salute, an homage to Frankenstein, the creation of Darth Vader. Which, do we want to compare Darth Vader, Scourge of the Universe, to the creation of Frankenstein? Frankenstein's monster, you mean? Frankenstein's monster, yes. Well, you shouldn't. No. Because it doesn't work. No, <laughs> do not want. You know, this, and that was the problem. Even before the no, which everybody knows what I'm talking about, and was douche-chill-inducing. Everyone's kind of like, oh, it just would have been so cool if he just didn't say no. Like, it was kind of bad before he said that. It was a little bit bad. It was clumsy. Did you know, by the way, here is something that I discovered while watching the remastered versions of the original trilogy. What's that? They did insert a lot of stupid crap that shouldn't have been in there. But one of the things that they inserted that actually pissed me off even more than having Hayden Christensen as Ghost Anakin at the end. Right. Which makes no sense. No if you're going to do that, it's the then stupidest fucking thing. have Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. It's the stupidest thing. But whatever. That's what they did. They also, at the end, when oh yeah, Palpatine is shooting Luke with Force Lightning, yes. and Vader decides that, no, he really doesn't like that very much. He's going to pick the Emperor up and throw him down the shaft. Right. Well, normally, in the real movie, he just looks at him, picks him up, and throws him down the shaft. Which was a beautiful moment. In the remastered version, they dubbed in the no Yes. as he does that. I have a very vivid memory. And what the fuck? Hanging out with you and Z years ago when it was first announced that that was happening. And you already knew about it. And Z didn't. And I remember explaining to him that they were going to be doing that or that they had already done that in one of the remastered versions that was coming out. And when I tell you the look on his face was as if I had told him at the age of three that Santa wasn't real. We're all going to die someday. The Easter Bunny isn't real. The Tooth Fairy isn't real. And yeah, there are some people on this planet that not only want to do you harm, but want to see you suffer and die. Yeah. That was the look on his face. Dream crushed. That is why I think you can be legitimately mad with George Lucas. Because, yes, he gave us this thing. And so we should always be eternally grateful for that. I will never hate him, but how anybody in their right mind thought that was a good idea. And it just shows how he went from a person who I feel like at some point in his life understood the language of film. And then I think got killed and replaced by someone else in his 40s, 50s, maybe. He betrayed and murdered your filmmaker. Yes, he is Darth Vader. He is Anakin. He is the Emperor. He's all of it rolled into one because, fine, you want to make your prequel trilogy? Fine. I don't have to like it. I can pretend it doesn't exist. 
But when you go back and fuck with the original movies, and the funny thing is the least fucked with of the original trilogy is The Empire Strikes Back. That should have been a signal to him. When he sat down to make changes to Empire Strikes Back and went, there's almost nothing I need to do here. Yeah. Oh, wait, I didn't solely write or direct this movie. Yep. That's why it's pretty perfect. That should have been the signal to him. That should have been the alarm inside that went, oh, I should not do these things because nothing good has come of it. Now, again, there are good things about all the prequels. Yes, absolutely. But at some point, you have to be honest and say, does the good outweigh the bad? No. No, not at all. Mm -mm. And even in the Phantom Edit, where they literally took the best parts of all three movies to put in one two-hour thing, which, by the way, the only fucking thing. Have you seen the Phantom Edit? Yes. The only fucking thing for Phantom Menace that is in it is the Darth Maul lightsaber duel. In the newest one, anyway, where they do all three movies. That's how it starts. And it really makes you realize how much of that shit you didn't need to tell one coherent story. Even taking all the best moments of those movies, the stuff that you need in order to have the plot, there's still some bullshit in there. What's funny to me is the entire romance angle in Attack of the Clones, they actually used, I think, deleted scenes and didn't go with almost any of the actual romantic scenes that made it to the final cut of Attack of the Clones. That's and it because they were terrible. So much better. <laughs> oh, can we stop? Can we stop talking about these now? Well, yeah. Yes, we I can. Just, they're just and... so bad. And everybody should go back and rewatch the original trilogy. If you can find the original trilogy that's not the remastered version, do that. If not, try and get past the crappy music remake and the yeah. no and shit yeah. and Anakin at the end. But otherwise, just way better. It's just way better. Yeah. And then go see The Force Awakens and hopefully, hopefully that will be even more way better. All right. Anywho. Well, that's enough about that. We've gotten it out of our system. Let's take a quiz. Take a quiz. Okay. I'm not going to do this pub trivia stuff because it doesn't lead to any conversation that way. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six sections of questions that are pretty short. And one of them is going to be a sound cue question. Oh, boy. All right. Are we ready? Everybody can play along at home and then add up your own scores and, you know, compete against yourself to see who wins. Yes. So I will give a second before my answer so that you at home can answer and not have me spoil it for you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and if you want, we can have some discussion about it before you give sure. your final answer. Spoilers. All right. So my first section are gimmies. These are okay. like those super easy ones that everybody should know. If I fail this section, can I just you won't. negate the rest? You the... won't. You won't fail this section. Okay. All right. What race is Admiral Akbar? He is a Mon Calamari. Very good. Who was the civilian leader of the rebellion who laments the deaths of the Bothan spies? Mon Mothma. Very good. What type of creature did Luke used to use for target practice? Um. Oh, God. Womp. It's not wampas. Womp rats. Womp rats. Very good. Yeah. How do sand people move and why? How do sand people move? Move. Uh, they're nomadic. You mean move from place to place? or? Yes. Obi-Wan tells it? us in the original in A New Hope. Yes. Um, they're nomads because... Oh! Oh, fuck. Uh, oh, I don't remember. Um, I was worried I was going to suck at this quiz. Let me see. How do they move? And why? If it helps, he is telling this to Luke as to how he knows that it was stormtroopers that hit the Jawas and not sand people. Oh, yes, because they move in herds. They move, uh, they don't move in a, they move in a straight line. They ride their, um, oh, fuck, what are those things called? In a straight line so as to camouflage their numbers. Is that right? Single file to hide their numbers. Single file. Yes. I'm not going to give that one to you. What was it? Single file to hide their numbers. I just said straight line to camouflage their numbers. (laughs) That's the same thing. 
all right. I'll be easy on you. Okay. Oh, you wanted me to get the actual line. Yeah, the line. Oh, that wasn't a, how do they do it? You meant, what exactly does Obi-Wan say? How do they move and why? They move in single file to hide their numbers. Oh, I just thought you meant a general answer. Ah, uh, sorry. <laughs> I don't have to quote Obi-Wan to do that. I just have to get it right. Okay. Next question. My mistake. Queen Amidala was manipulated into calling for a vote of no confidence against which Republic Chancellor? Terrence Stamp. <laughs> Nearly. I do not remember his character's name. Oh, yes, I do. Chancellor Valorum. Very good. Who was Count Dooku's former Jedi Master? Darth Sidious, right? No. No, that's his current master. Darth Plagueis? Jedi Master. Oh, Jedi Master. Yoda. Very good. And a possible four answers. Name the Darths we see on screen. Okay. Vader, Maul, Sidious, and uh, and uh, Dooku. Count Dooku, who was Darth... Um... Oh, fuck. Darth... Ugh, Darth bad guy. Mm-hmm. He was Count Dooku. <laughs> <laughs> but they they give you his Darth they name do. at one point. They absolutely do. In Revenge of the Sith. And it's not Darth Dooku. Nope. Although I wish it was. Darth Count Dooku. <laughs> yes, Darth Count Dooku. Darth Christopher Lee. Darth former Dracula. Yeah. Does that count? Nope. I know he's Darth. Yep. Darth Tyrannus. Very That's what it good. Was. When I was going through that myself, it was the only one that didn't come to me immediately, much like it didn't for you or anybody else I asked. But we were like, Darth Count Dooku. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just had the exact same series of jokes that you and I just did? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, although I will say that a long time ago, not in a galaxy far, far away, but right here, there was, because we had Darth Sidious and Darth Vader. Right. I don't remember where this theory came from, but there was a theory that Darth names were some word that followed the prefix in, like invader, insidious. Oh. Which obviously it's not now. I mean, like we know. No, in Tyrannus. Yeah, that's totally not true. But I spent probably half an hour last night coming up with a couple friends of mine, different Darth <laughs> names, if that were Darth actually Ception. the naming convention. So it was like, uh, the he's the Darth who's just kind of lazy, Darth active. <laughs> uh, the one Darth, Darth Doors. He doesn't like to go outside Exactly, much. exactly. And there was uh, the Darth who is actually several different smaller Darths all stacked within one another like a Petroika doll, Darth Inception. <laughs> and so we went through. I would say Darth Inception is the Darth who's a huge Christopher Nolan fan. There you go. There you go. So that's actually a fun game you can play at home. That is fun. Your friends is come up with different Darth names if the naming convention is the rest of the work. I think I might pull in. that from this and use it on the next bearded ones. You actually. absolutely should. It can come up. You can come up with really good different ones for what those Darths do and why their name is their name. And it's always funny to me that Palpatine purposefully mispronounces Tyrannus. I guess at that point they were like, "We're really showing our hands here. If we mispronounce it slightly, people won't go. Oh, it's just yet another evil name." Right. Goes Tyrannus. Saurus Rex. Yeah, seriously. Darth Tyrannus Saurus Rex. Yeah. Count Dooku. Got Darth it. Darth Jurassic Park. Okay. So you got 10 of 10 possible on the gimme right. round. Good for you. Round number two. I've got a bad feeling about this. Oh, boy. Obi-Wan has a bad feeling about the meeting he and Qui-Gon have with which Trade Federation official? Oh, it's the most racist one. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> 
Shooter or something. Which is not the answer, though it is correct. I know I don't remember his name. Uh, I know I know it. I've heard it before. I've yep. used it before. Yep. I simply do not remember it. You will kick uh, yourself. I know I will. Well, let me think, because I just watched it fucking last night, but they didn't feature him much at all, thankfully. Um, although I like the fact that those aliens were practical. Sure. I did like that about them. Ugh, I know this. Palpatine does say his name in Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith because he tells Anakin to go kill them all, including this guy, who it's sad he is in all three movies. Ugh, fuck it. I can't remember. What's his uh, name? Newt Gunray. Newt Gunray, of course. Yep. All right. Obi-Wan again has a bad feeling, but this time it's when he and Anakin approach the Invisible Hand, the flagship of which bad guy? General Grievous? Very good. Thank you. Who has the first bad feeling that we see in release order? Oh, in release order. Yes, not the first chronologically, but the first one that we ever see. Who is it? Han Solo. No, it is in fact Luke. In what reference? It's when they first see the Death Star, right? I got a bad feeling about this. Yes, the very first I have a bad feeling about this is when the Millennium Falcon approaches the Death Star. But, but I just the put one who says it. Luke's words in Han's mouth. Yeah. Okay. Han does say it shortly thereafter when they're in right. the trash compactor. Right. But the first one was Luke. Oh, damn. Okay. Okay. Only one droid ever has a bad feeling. Which droid was it? C-3PO. Very good. Do you remember when? It was in Empire, and it was in Cloud City, right? No, both of those answers are wrong. <laughs> Fuck. What was it? Uh, it is when he gets into Jabba the Hutt's palace in Return of the Jedi. Oh, of as course. As the Gamorreans take them away. Of course. All right. And finally, Han Solo has the original trilogy's final bad feeling. What was about to happen to him which caused him to worry? <sighs> They were in the Tiderian shuttle going to the forest moon of Endor, and they were worried that their passcode wasn't going to be accepted. No. Damn. No one has a were bad feeling. Were they on the it. forest moon of Endor? <laughs> they were on the forest moon of Endor. Got a bad feeling about this the forest moon of Endor. Well, I already got it wrong. So what exact, <laughs> what exact moment does it happen? The Ewoks were about to cook and eat him. Oh, well, that's probably the dumbest use of that phrase ever. <laughs> Why would you say I've got a bad feeling about this when it's obvious they're about to kill you and eat you? Yeah, I don't know, but he certainly does say that. <laughs> All right. All right. So you got two out of five on Ugh, I've got a I bad feeling bad. about this. And here is the round by the numbers. In A New Hope, Luke is addressed by two call signs. What were they? Possible two points. Two call signs? Call signs. Define call signs. Like Rogue Leader would be a call sign. Oh, okay. He's, let's see, he's Red Five. Standing okay. by, right? Mm-hmm. And he's... Well, they wouldn't call him the, a different thing in the X-Wing, would they? Is he still in the X-Wing? No. When he gets the second call name? No. Okay, I didn't think so. That would be dumb. And technically, to give you a hint, Red 5 is the second one that he is called. Okay. Red 5 standing by. Was This This was in episode 4. Both call signs were in Correct. episode 4. Oh, why? Why would he have two different call signs? He never flew a different ship. I don't know. What's, what's the other one? TK-421. Oh, no, I would have never gotten that. No? No, I don't remember that at all. TK421, why aren't you at your post? Oh, okay. That is Luke in the Stormtrooper outfit in the Falcon yes. after they See, take I it over. Associ I wasn't associating him with being in the Stormtrooper suit. Okay, yep. that's a tough one. All right, second one. This one you you may not get. So <laughs> well, my tracker ain't great so far past just the Just so you're aware. Thing. It's actually one of the tougher questions I have on here. Okay. Two of the bounty hunters hired by Darth Vader were droids. Yes. What were their designations? Wasn't one of them like IG? Well, their designations or their names? Well, I mean, they're droids. Technically, those are thing. the same thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm drawing a complete blank. Well, you're you're half right on the first one already. I want to say I, IG-388, but I'm getting that confused with B-88, I think. But I'll just say IG-388. So close. It is IG-88. 
oh, it's just 88. Fuck. Yep, is one of them. Okay. And the other? And and I am D-R-O-I-D. <laughs> For Lom. Uh, yep, didn't know that. Yeah, that was a tough one, and I, I knew that going in. All right, all together, the Jedi Council plus every person called Darth on screen totals how many powerful Force users? Oof. On screen at one time, or you're talking about through the just, all six just movies? Ever. Anybody that we oh ever see called Darth plus the Jedi Council in total. Okay. Well, obviously, there's Luke, Yoda, Obi-Wan, Mace Windu, Qui-Gon. Uh, Luke is not a member of the Jedi Council. Oh, you mean specifically Jedi Council, not just anyone that has control over the Force? Yes, the Jedi Council okay. plus the Darths. Okay. I'm going to say 30. 30. That is my final answer. No, it is 16. There are 12 on the Jedi Council and four Darths. There just seem like so many more Jedi in the in the arena. Oh, but there's only ah only the ones on the council, right? Yep. Gotcha. In how many movies does someone not lose a hand or arm? This does not include people who lose all of their body parts. Right. Well, it happens in every one of the original trilogy. Because in the first one, it's a dude in the in Moss Eisley, and the second one, it's Luke, and the third one, it's Vader. Which is weird because Vader technically counts twice for this. In Phantom Menace, no one loses a hand or an arm. Although Darth Maul gets cut in half. In Attack of the Clones, Anakin loses his hand. And in Revenge of the Sith, Mace Windu loses his hand. So I'm going to say of all, there's only one where no one loses a hand or an arm. Well done. It is, in fact, episode one. Thank you. Because Darth Maul totally doesn't count. He loses his everything. Yeah. How many Imperial officers does Darth Vader force choke on screen? Well, there's the guy in The New Hope, but he doesn't choke him to death. We're not talking about the death, are we? Just has his force force strangulation going on. And it has to be a high-ranking Imperial officer. Imperial officer. Just officer. Okay. I mean, technically that is high-ranking. So the guy in The New Hope, and there's Captain Nita and Admiral Piet in Empire. So does he do it to anyone in Jedi? I don't think he does. I'm going to say three. You have the number correct. Yay! All right, bonus questions in addition to the by the numbers round. Yay! As quickly as you can, name by name as many of the people who lose a hand or arm as you can. Uh, well, I don't know the name of the guy in Mos Eisley, but there's Anakin, then again is Darth Vader, Mace Windu, uh, Luke, and I think that's it. I just don't know the name of the guy in Mos Eisley. Uh, no, that is definitely not it, but um, Anakin and Vader, I'm only counting once because they're the same right. person. Um, there are actually, if you include C-3PO, there are nine. Oh, okay. So C-3PO nine. loses yeah, loses his arm to the Sand People when they're out looking for R2. Okay. He also loses the rest of him when he's blown apart by a Stormtrooper, but that doesn't count. Right. Uh, Luke, obviously. The Wampa on Hoth. Oh. Luke cuts his arm off. creatures. The dude in the Mos Eisley Cantina is Pondo Baba. Okay. Sorry, Ponda Baba. And he actually, because it's always bugged me that he gets his arm cut off and there's blood, and we talked about this mm-hmm. before. Yeah. I learned something that uh, canonically he is of the race Aqualin, and Aqualin's blood does not coagulate, or, oh. and, or, and their flesh does not cauterize when sliced by a okay. lightsaber. Honestly, I'm glad we know that. Did George Lucas know that? When he no, I'm that sure that he did time. not. I'm absolutely certain he didn't. Uh, Mace Window, you were correct. General Grievous does lose two, actually, at the same time. But yeah. has six or whatever. So right. Uh, Count Dooku loses a hand, and the would-be assassin of Amidala, Zam Wessel, loses her hand. Okay. So you got three. That's job. right. Yeah. A lot uh, of hands lost in these movies. Yes, it is a thing. And the other bonus question: Which Imperial officer is choked to death to earn Piet his promotion after the Battle of Hoth? Nita. Incorrect. No, no, Captain Nita was the other guy after. The- oh fuck. Who was it? Admiral Ozel. Oh, Ozel, right. Okay. 
Okay, next is going to be the uh, the sound round. How'd I do on that one? Not very well. On the bonus round, you got a three of ten. <laughs> Possible. Sound number one. Sound number one. That's pod race. That's the Bulba's pod. Is that what you want me to hear out of that? Well, it's pod racers. Is the right answer just the pod race? Pod racers, yeah. Okay, cool. Good job. Thank you. That was one of the best things about Phantom Menace. Oh, absolutely. The sound and the pod and race. certainly one of the most recognizable sounds. Mm-hmm. Especially with that, that pod race video game we used to have. Yeah. Was that for N64? Yep, I still do and played it last week, actually. That was actually pretty fucking fun. Yeah. All right, sound number two. That is the sound of the Death Star right before they fire their main laser. No. No? Nope. What is it? That is the tractor beam generator being disabled by Obi-Wan in A New Hope. Oh, fuck. Ugh. But I know why you think that. Like, it's... Yeah, there's there's a, just a small thing like right when they're getting ready to power up the laser for the Death Star that kind of sounds like that. All right, sound okay. number three. Sound number three. <laughs> Okay, obviously those are lasers. Um, let me listen to it again. Is that Han shooting at the droid on Hoth? No. It was a good guess, though. Because there's nothing else. Like, you'd expect any time you hear a laser in Star Wars for it to be accompanied by a bunch of others. That is... I'm, I'm going to go ahead... That's one of those ahead. rare times when it's, like, probably the most subdued laser battle in all of the movies because he's just shooting at that one probe droid. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you from your first answer because it was turbo lasers from a Star Destroyer. Oh. But, I mean, you got lasers... You got that okay. right, so I'll go ahead and give that to you. <laughs> oh, don't give me that. Anybody would have said lasers. You don't want it? You don't want the point? I don't know. I want to earn it. Like, <laughs> okay. I want to be pure. Fair enough. Sound number four. Sound number four. I know this sound. It is from the original trilogy. God, I really should have sat down to watch all these again before we did this. <laughs> um, It's such a familiar sound. Yep. Uh, is it in? Is it in? Is it in Empire? It is, and it is. Oh, it's the carbonite freezing chamber. Very good. Thank you. I knew. I knew that sound. I was like, I can't fucking get this one wrong. Sound number five. Sound number five. <laughs> Tie fighter. Well done. That was pretty easy. Oh, that's it? I was expecting something else. TIE Fighters. Okay, they're TIE Fighters. Yeah, great. Sound number six. Sound number six. Oh, that's the mouse droid on the Death Star. Well done. I always call him the Roomba droid. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what he is. Yeah. Does he have an official name? Uh, Yeah, he is the mouse droid. He's he's like a MSE4 or something like that. Yeah, that's what I thought. What is his purpose? He's a janitor droid. Yeah. Oh. He's a Roomba. He's adorable. He is a Roomba. Okay. Uh, Okay, sound number seven. Oh, 
I've already guessed this before, haven't I? Yes. This is Han Solo shooting at the probe droid on Han. No, not even close. It's not? No. What the fuck was it then? Listen to it again. Okay, let's try it again. Ooh. Is that the Death Star exploding? It is no. I gave you a hint in that you had already guessed it. Yeah, I know. And I can't remember anything I've said up until this point. It is the Death Star super laser firing on Alderaan. Oh, yes. Okay. It's that last like yeah. thing that kind of got me. All right. Sound number eight. Sound number eight. Oh boy, this is tough. You earlier you mentioned that it oh, was the sonic uh, the sonic charges. Yes, they're technically seismic charges, but I know exactly right. what you mean. They say yes. seismic or do they say sonic? I they're seismic. They were sonic. Seismic charges. Oh, okay. But yes, are those we... are Django Fett's seismic charges from Slave One. Yes, which again, awesome fucking noise. Yeah, definitely. Are we at Number nine? nine? That's Tauntaun. It is a Tauntaun. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best part of the entire, because it almost sounds like they're trying to say something. Yep. I love that one. All right. Sound number 10. All right. And this is it. I've I've done better on the sound so far than I did on the the other two sections. And this is it. (laughs) A salacious crumb. Well done. Slacius Crumb from Return of the Jedi. Very Jabba's well little bitch, who is one of my unanswered questions in the entire Star Wars trilogy. What the fuck happens to him afterward? Does he blow up in the barge? Does he go off and start his own life? I want to see a Salacious Crumb standalone movie. Do you? And it doesn't even have to have like a bunch of action in it. It can just be him chilling out for an hour and a half. Laughing at other people being dicks to people. Yeah. Okay. He could do that. Or we could watch him watch TV or get something to eat, you know? Okay. All right, two rounds left. There are two rounds left. Okay. All right, ready? Here's my random round, just random knowledge. Before escaping to Tatooine in the opening of A New Hope, C-3PO worries to R2-D2 that they will be sent to the spice mines of which planet? Oh, fuck. I don't remember. I don't remember. What is it? It is Kessel. Kessel, yes. Ugh. Okay. (laughs) All right. When I think Kessel, I think the Kessel Run. Yes, well, that's, they did the Kessel Run to get the spice off of Kessel. To get the spices because Han Solo smuggled spices. That's right. Ugh. Okay. Admiral Akbar isn't the first to note something as a trap. Who else warns against an ambush earlier in the series? Hmm. I can't think of those words put together without thinking of Akbar, but I know someone else says it. Well, I'm in A New Hope when they escape the Death Star. No, I mean, oh, fuck. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, when the doors open and Darth Vader's waiting for them. No. Oh, Leia calling out to Luke. Well done. Yes. Says, it's a trap. Yes. Very good. Obi-Wan uses his Jedi mind trick to convince an entrepreneur to abandon his business enterprise. What did he get yes. the man to stop selling? Death sticks. Well done. Because I just watched that last night. <laughs> <laughs> Sidebar, do you know who that person is? What do you mean? Do you know the actor? Mm, not off the top of my head. He's Mouse from the first Matrix. Oh, cool. Indeed. And in yes, fact, indeed. the woman in red is also in that scene. Is she? Yeah. When they first walk into the bar, there's a blonde-headed woman that kind of oh, checks out Anakin. Indeed. And she's the lady in red that Mouse creates indeed. from the Matrix. So we can just pretend the prequels never happened. They were a system run by, by the... Mouse before yep. he died in the Matrix. Absolutely. Because that's what he wanted Star Wars to be. Which is weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. All right. Darth Maul only blinks once in all of the Phantom Menace. Mm. What causes him to blink? Um, Obi-Wan sensing the Force and grabbing his lightsaber. No, though that was my answer, too. What was it? It was actually being bisected by Obi-Wan's lightsaber. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Which, I mean, makes perfect sense. You would totally blink when you are cut in half. I mean, because he does give him that, huh, face right before he does it. Yeah, but I also thought I remembered him blinking in surprise when Obi-Wan jumps out of the pit and his lightsaber flies to his hand. But no, it is actually when he is cut in half. Okay, cool. Who is Luke's step-grandfather? Step-grandfather. Well, he's being taken care of by Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru. And it was that guy I talked about earlier in Attack of the Clones that fucking didn't care enough about his wife to look for her. Correct. I can't remember his name. Do you remember his last name? Well, Skywalker, right? No, that was Shmi's last name. Oh, that's right. Uh, no, I don't, actually. Luke's step-grandfather is Kleeg Lars. Lars, yes! Oh, fuck. Owen Lars. Ah! <laughs> All right, the last one I kind of stole from the Geeks Who Drink. They did this pretty cool little format, so I'm going to do it, too. Okay. Uh, this is Star Wars in 140 characters. These are going to be tweets. So you have to tell me which character would have tweeted this. Okay. Ready? Yes. At General Kenobi. Of course I'll take the girl and raise her as my own. What's the worst that could happen? That would be uh, Jimmy Smith's. Yes, which was also my first answer. (laughs) Mr. Organa. Um, Bale. Is it Bale? It it was Bale Organa. Very good. Bale Organa, yeah. Christian Bale Organa. Yes, him. All right, next one. Went to Mos Eisley to collect bounty. I got shot first. Didn't even get a chance to shoot. Don't know why I felt the need to clarify. <laughs> Greedo. Very good. All right. Illegal flamethrower? Check. Wrenches to throw? Check. Boone to Eve classic in the bag. Hashtag Doug Life. <laughs> Boba Fett. I'm sorry, who? Django Fett. I'm sorry, who? Boba Fett. Uh, or Sebulba. Oh, as soon as I, as soon as I thought flamethrower, I thought Boba Fett. <laughs> Sorry. Nope. Yeah. Okay, number four. Yes. Makeup perfect, hair on point, outfit slamming. Still can't believe these Jedi are buying this, though. Hashtag sister skills. Padme? Or, oh, no. Still can't believe these Jedi are buying it. That would be her fucking double from episode one. Ooh, I can't remember her name. You are Am correct, I right? though. Yes. Okay. Her name is Sabe. Mm. Played by Kira Knightley. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that. <laughs> and now that you mention it, I can see a similarity between the two. Yeah, apparently several people had trouble telling them apart on set. Cool. And finally, this is the last question of the whole quiz. It was the middle of the night. Plus, I really didn't think he was a Jedi. What did you expect? Hashtag weak-minded my albino headtails. <laughs> it was the middle of the night. I really weak-minded my albino headtails. I thought I knew what the answer was until you said my albino head tails. What did you think the answer was? You know, maybe it's just because I had this fantasy of Padme and Anakin fucking in the middle of the night when they were like off being shittily romantic. No. I know that. That's why I didn't actually say Padme. <laughs> I'm only answering your question. <laughs> albino head tails. Fuck. Can you read it again? Sure. It was the middle of the night. Plus, I really didn't think he was a Jedi. Oh, what did you expect? Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna. Well done. All right, so you got four out of five on the 140 characters. As on a total, hold on, I got to total this all up for you. The last two rounds, I think, saved me if I even did okay in this. All right, your total out of 50 is 31, 31 points. Okay, that's, I wish I would have done better, but I'll take it. It's It's not terrible at all, not terrible It's like a solid, like, C plus, maybe B minus. Yeah, and some of those were bonus questions anyway, so. Yeah. So, very well done. Congratulations on your Star Wars quiz. 
And Thank you. when this gets published, Force Awakens will be tomorrow. Woohoo! So for everybody that's going to see it this weekend, have a good time. Also, don't be a dick and spoil it for everybody else. Just seriously. Oh, God. Look, you know what? The problem is, just because people don't want them to be dicks, people will be dicks and spoil it. I think we should just all, until we see The Force Awakens, avoid social media, exactly period. That. Because all I want to know is, if is it good? I'm going to see it anyway. <laughs> Even if you're like, it's the biggest steaming pile of shit I've ever seen. I'm like, sucks for me for wasting my money, but fuck it, I'm going to go see it. Just, you know, if you're going to say anything, just say, it was great or it sucked. Yeah. But no spoilers. And you know what really pisses me off is it's gotten to the point where, like, people don't even get vague anymore because as a fan of The Walking Dead, I just have to avoid Facebook while it's on because I can't watch it live. And it's constant, like, ooh, I can't believe so-and-so died. Or, ooh, I can't believe so-and-so said that. And even when they aren't saying who they're talking about, you know exactly who they're talking about. Yep. And then the last time there was a big spoilerific episode, I just glanced at Facebook once and somebody just literally had just posted this dad this fuck it so and so died and named the character <laughs> and i was like oh fuck you fuck you in the ear so there's got to be a moratorium on this there has to be some sort of law passed because i don't even want to accidentally stumble upon any big spoilers so yep. don't even be vague don't just spoil don't it say anything. ever at all or you're a dick and no one will like you yeah which you know i don't think those people typically care if people like them or not but maybe we'll just find you and kill you <laughs> that's the only thing i can think of saying but anyway this was a lot of fun i'm glad we got all that remaining anger out i'm sure we'll never talk about the prequels again i know i won't <laughs> but if someone wants to get in contact with us you know what would be fun if you send us your scores yeah absolutely and i mean honestly don't just be like oh i got all of them even if you fucking didn't just tell us yeah. what your score was even if you're honest. like, I only got five or whatever. It doesn't matter. Just tell us what you scored and we'll have a good time with that. And I mean, maybe you did get 50 out of 50 and that'd be badass. Yeah, that would be great. But be honest. Yeah, totally. We don't trust people easily. So don't ruin our fragile trust of our listeners. <laughs> and if they want to do that, Caressa, how can they do that? The best way would be to get in contact with us over email, which is lucky10,000, all spelled out, lucky10,000 at gmail.com. And if you want to, you can hit us up on Twitter at lucky underscore 10K. Excellent. And also, we are on Stitcher and iTunes. If you want to give us a five-star review, uh, we will read it. And whatever you say, we will read that. You could put your score in there. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a fun way to do it, too. And you could lie. And we have promised that we'll read it out on the air <laughs> so we can't stop ourselves you could put your score in that box and then tell us you were lying and we would have to begrudgingly read it that's and true. don't you want to hear us begrudge so do that and i think that's everything this has been a lot of fun as always next week i am sure you will hear both of us talking at some point about the force awakens so but no spoilers no spoilers we will at least tell you whether we liked it or not that's true we will have both seen it by then yes I hope. I cannot believe I just said that. Next week, we will be talking about the fact that we have seen The Force Awakens. Yeah. That's Woo-hoo! fucking amazing. Anyway, we have enjoyed this very much. We hope you have enjoyed us. Share us with your friends. Give us a rating. Email us. Contact us on Twitter. We're very supportive of the whole podcast community. So if you give us a shout out on your podcast, we will definitely return the favor. And uh, I think that's everything. So I hope you got lucky tonight. Good night, nerds. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. 
and visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.